been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 481 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The last three years has seen unprecedented disruption to the world of work. The rise of remote and hybrid working indicates a workplace revolution. But how much have things actually changed? Presenteeism is still a big issue, with some employers using economically tough times as an excuse to get people back to the office. Meanwhile, many hybrid and remote employees struggle with legacy working methods not designed for the world we're now living in. My guests this week are Lizzie Penny and Alex Hurst, co-founders of Hoxby and authors of the best-selling book Workstyle. Lizzie and Alex are campaigners for a more modern, autonomous working style. They're using their own experience of running a remote-first business to start a movement to make work better for everyone. Hi Lizzie, hi Alex, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about what you do? Uh, yeah, hi. So I'm Alex Hurst, and I am co-founder of Hoxby with Lizzie, who's with me today. Uh, and we started Hoxby in 2015. Uh, it's a professional and creative services company. And we did it to prove that our idea that we had in the pub uh, for work style, which is a word we made up to give everybody the freedom to define for themselves when and where they work, uh, could work in practice. And eight years later, we're here with a book by the same name. And so, yes, we've just written a book. It's called Work Style, A Revolution for Wellbeing, Productivity and Society. And that really came from, um, we started working this way eight years ago. And everyone thought we were strange because we were working uh, very differently from everyone else. But suddenly during the pandemic, everyone wanted to understand how we worked. And so we tried to open source everything about Hoxby and our approach to Work Style. And uh, the book came from there, really. Fantastic stuff. Now, I'm going to ask you a lot about your approach to work and obviously a lot about the book as well. But I think to start with this question, we've been through this pandemic. Work has been turned on its head. We've seen the rise of remote work, of hybrid work, you know, and arguably lots of things, lots of things have changed about, you know, more things have changed about work in the last three years than they have in the previous 30, perhaps. What's still wrong with work? What's still wrong with the way that the way that we're currently working? There's a lot that's still wrong with work, Matt. I think for us, when we started working in a work style way eight years ago, the pandemic wasn't even on the horizon at that point. And we felt there were three main catalysts that meant we should be working in a radically different way. The first one was the aging population. Um, 21% of the worldwide population will be over 60 by 2050. Organizations need to reshape the way that they work in order to keep keep people in work longer, or there simply won't be enough people to do the jobs that need doing. Independence, there are 4 million self-employed people in the UK. It's the fastest growing part of the labour market. Um, And people are entering the workforce now with a more independent approach and expectations of work. And then technology um, has really changed. So the portability of hardware, 
the prevalence of accessible software to bring people together, and also the prevalence of Wi-Fi, which is now means that really you can work from anywhere, you know, uh, work from beach or as I like to work from hairdresser. And so those were really the three catalysts for us to make us really question why we are still working in a model of work that was invented 200 years ago. You know, essentially, we're still working in an eight hours labor, eight hours recreation, eight hours rest model that Sir Robert Owen, Sir Bobby O, as we mega fans call him, came up with 200 years ago. And it's just not fit for purpose. When you think about what's changed since then, so much has changed. And and all of the existing kind of areas of progress in working are really just flexing around the edges. So flexible working, hybrid working. This is really still a one-size-fits-all approach. It's still dictated by companies rather than giving people the autonomy and the freedom to choose when and where they work, which is what work style is all about. And I think the the interesting thing there is with the, you know, still the massive debate about hybrid work or remote work and how long should people be in the office. The thing that really drives that debate is the fact that people are trying not to make work change and still make people work in that sort of nine to five model, isn't it? Yeah. I think we forget that we we are conditioned to it. We've been doing it for, uh, as Lizzie says, over 200 years. The basic premise that we are working nine to five, Monday to Friday, is something that we find really hard to let go of. And it comes with trappings that are actually no longer relevant in the digital age that we live in. So, for example, being together, working at the same time synchronously was particularly beneficial when we were working in factories. But technology enables us to work at any time from anywhere. And so we need to abandon that idea that we need to be synchronous and start embracing asynchronous working behaviours. This is one of the things that we learned pretty early on when we started Hoxby was forget everything you know about <clears throat> work. These are the new rules. And it's asynchronous, not synchronous. It's also digital first, not physical first. So we're not going to factories anymore. And we don't need to go to offices because we can work from anywhere as long as we've got the digital interface to enable us to collaborate. So rather than thinking about work as somewhere we go, we think about it as something we do and we interface digitally, not physically. And then the last thing is that the collaboration that and the culture that we need needs to be built on trust rather than presence. So when you think about flexible, hybrid, remote, they're all talking about presence. Where, where are you? How can I see you? How can I trust that you're working if I can't see you? Actually, we need to just dispense with that completely and focus on we trust one another. What are the basis? What are the principles of trust? And we talk about um, that being based on output and delivery and being trusted to deliver what you say you're going to, rather than being trusted to be sitting at your desk for eight hours. Tell us about how that works in your own business. What does that look practically? Who do you employ? Where are they? Do they ever get together? How do you build a culture? How's that? How's it worked practically for you? That's a really good question and one that we're often asked. And um, over time, you know, we've said that Hoxby is a big experiment. You know, as Alex said, we set it up in order to test whether this model could work and in practice. And we're excited that now we have some really big 
clients that we work with, Unilever, Merck, AIA, but also some important impact-led businesses like Divine Chocolate and B-Lab. And so it does work. So we should just say that to begin with. We have um, 500 Hoxbees. Um, they are all freelance. Uh, so they don't exclusively work for us. We're part of their portfolio and they work from 39 countries. So we've got people all over the world. They all have a reason for wanting to work this way. Um, so in the book, we talk about excluded groups, um, those people who can't work traditionally in a nine to five model. And our organization is very diverse as a result. And we are a Slack based community. So we don't have an office. Slack is our office, the digital tool. Um, and that allows us to be asynchronous, as Alex says. So if you work on a project, then you'll have someone who's managing the project, someone who's leading the relationship with the client, and then a team of people who are doing individual parts of the work. So what we'll do is we'll work with clients, we'll take a brief, and then we'll break it down into its constituent outputs that need to be delivered to get to that overall output. And then we will curate a team in order to de deliver against that. And the underlying principle of all of this is that everyone at Hoxby can work when and where they choose. Um, so they have the freedom to do that. But we talked before about autonomy. But the thing that's really important is that autonomy has to go hand in glove with accountability. Autonomy is amazing. Research has already been widespread to show that autonomy improves productivity. It means people have better job satisfaction, engagement, that they take greater pride in their work. But the thing to get the balance right, we found in terms of culture, is the balance of autonomy with accountability for playing your part. And for us, that's about us being a social enterprise and a purpose-led organization. And so everybody knows that they need to play their part in proving that together we can create a happier, more fulfilled society through a world of work without bias. So I think for us, culturally being united behind a singular vision is really important. And also us having clearly defined ways of working, because what's interesting is Alex talked about presenteeism, but when you're in an office, I think there's the assumption that because you're at your desk, you know how to do things, you know how to get things done, you know who to speak to. Whereas actually, when you take that away, there's a requirement to lay out the way that things get done around here. And um, it's very much a framework, people have freedom within it, but roughly what tools we use for what, how we collaborate asynchronously, that sort of thing, are really important. You mentioned inclusion there and people who could only work for you if they did that re remotely in sort of you know locations and places that work for them and their and their lives diversity equity and inclusion is such a massive topic in our industry at the moment and you know something that that, that employers are some employers are thinking very very hard about in terms of how they make their workforces more inclusive so can a company be truly inclusive if it asks people to come to an office we think it can't. We think that that is fundamental to um, redefining work such that it's a level playing field for everyone. And in the book, we distinguish between excluded groups and discriminated groups. There are many, many people who suffer discrimination at work, but 
we are looking at structural changes that we believe need to be made. And so we specifically look at seven groups who are excluded. So older workers, carers, those with chronic illness, physical disabilities, mental health challenges, parents, and people who are neurodivergent. And for those groups, they will be structurally excluded by being required to go to a place of work five days a week, nine to five. It just doesn't fit. Um, And between Alex and I, we cover a number of those groups. So we can really empathize with this. For me, the catalyst for wanting to start Hoxby and come up with the idea of Workstar was becoming a parent for the first time, which I'm embarrassed to say was really the first time that my eyes were opened to the pervasive inequalities at work. But since then, I've moved across the country. Um, So I no longer live in London. Um, I also was diagnosed with breast cancer two years ago. And then a close family member was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I've experienced Um, illness, I've experienced being a carer. And so I think we really acutely and passionately understand the importance of being able to work on your terms. So I'll give you an example. When I was going through chemotherapy, I didn't feel like doing much work, but I also passionately didn't want to be defined by my cancer. I didn't want it to consume my whole life. And being able to continue to work in something I'm passionate about and to feel like I had a purpose in life and to have some distraction, if I'm honest, was brilliant and really healthy. And I continued to work on my terms during that time. And I didn't work very much, but it was a really important part of my mental well-being in what was a difficult time. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a hundred markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. So the way you describe your business, some people would sort of call that a remote first organization. So, you know, it's an organization that's been built digitally and remote first. Lots of people listening, you know, work for, I suppose, what we call more traditional organizations, even organizations that are that are hybrid and flexible to a certain, you know, to a certain degree. Fundamentally, it's a massive shift for them to be set up as a remote first, remote first business like 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 your organization. What would your advice be to those type of employers in terms of how they can, you know, they they may have already sort of embraced hybrid working, they might be looking at things like four day weeks, but how can they really make that seismic change to really sort of fully embrace this way of working and this way of thinking? I think it's worth thinking about from an, from an organizational point of view, 
starting with a, a blank sheet of paper and appraising how do we collaborate online and in person? What are, what are the, actually the differences? So much of the way that work gets done is digital. And we've been actually, we've been doing that for years. We've been doing it via endless emails um, for a long time. But now we've got platforms like Slack and Teams and Google Workspace that, that make that much more intuitive. And those conversations happen in the delivery of work can happen through those systems rather than necessarily having to happen in person. And in fact, if they do happen through those systems, it can be more inclusive. To, to Lizzie's point, we can include people who are who otherwise can't get to an office, for example, and they can be part of the conversation and contribute their perspective. So thinking about collaboration as digital first is the starting point. You can do that whether you have an office or not. And actually, that's not a radical departure from what a lot of companies were doing pre-pandemic and certainly are doing now. But perhaps the harder challenge is to is to question the role of physical space. We've got an office, what do we do with it? From our experience, we do come together. Uh, Hoxby's do come together. I think this is one part of the question you asked before. We do come together for the purpose of building deeper connection with one another. And for us, this is absolutely the purpose of in-person spaces. So we we do it, we have an event, we come together and Hoxby's get to know each other more deeply at a personal level. That builds a sense of cohesion and culture and improves collaboration thereafter. But we don't do work during that time. We're not sitting together having meetings or sitting at computers next to each other, not talking. We're building connection. And that's the purpose of physical space now. So for organisations thinking about what to do with their offices, it's a question really of, are you using it to build deeper connection between people? Uh, and if not, how could you do that uh, on the basis that people should be free to, to work when and where they choose? There's a mindset shift that has to come with this as well, which is about enabling individuality. So work style is fantastic for changing mindsets around grouping people and making assumptions that, for example, people can work Monday to Friday, nine to five. Well, not everyone can. And actually, when you start to realise that everyone has an individual work style, everyone has an individual contribution to bring. And that kind of changes the cultural tone as well towards seeking to understand each individual contribution uh, and the benefit of working with each person. And that can be great for breaking down barriers of discrimination and stereotyping, starting to see people as individuals, which is helpful culturally. And then there's the leadership of all of that. And this is one of the areas that we really love consulting in, which is this idea of remote leadership. How do you lead teams when you can't see them? And that that is an emerging set of skills uh, that leaders of today need to have, um, but that we've been honing over eight years, thankfully. Uh, we think we're doing all right at it. Um, but these are new traits and they're new skills. And if we're going to move out of this 200-year paradigm that we all understand and into something that's fit for the digital age that we live in, then those are the new skills that we're going to need to learn. And it's the new mindset that companies are going to need to adopt to move us forward uh, and to take advantage of the opportunity that we've got today. I mean, that makes absolute sense. I think one of the biggest problems that that I've seen with companies sort of struggling to find their way or their balance in in, in this sort of new new world of work is 
just trying to apply the old rules to the new the new channels and, and the new things so it's like you know dragging people into meetings or you know leadership is all about being present in a in a physical in a physical way and you know i think we're we're seeing that that doesn't work one of the things that's really struck me whenever i've spoken to remote first businesses which is a you know it's a silly label anyway but um now i've kind of said it out loud but the uh, the, the thing that struck me from you know organizations similar to, to yours is the biggest shift is that shift to asynchronous working and you know it, i've worked asynchronously for about 10 years now so you know i kind of get it but i think do you think that that is one of the things or one of the big things that holds companies back that they can't or don't want to or don't know how to embrace an asynchronous working i think absolutely it is and you know alex talked earlier about the, these kind of three important lessons for us when we started working in a work style way of needing to be digital first, which I think companies are quite good at, but also needing to work asynchronously and be trust-based. And I think those two last elements are much more challenging because I think organizations already realize the importance of technology and are somewhere on that journey to making it integral to how they work. Whereas actually asynchronous working is a complete mindset shift. And we have people at Hoxby um, who are in their early 20s up to people in their 70s. And the thing that we find really interesting is that it's the people in their early 20s that are brilliant at asynchronous working because the rest of us have to unlearn previous behaviors. And that's a real barrier for people. And the same with trust, you know, learning to work in a trust-based output way. It's about cultural change. And I think often with organizational design, it starts with structural change and organizations will consider the structure. And then only at the end will they think, how do we make sure that we implement this with the right cultural investment when actually moving to a work style way of working is about investing in culture culture underpins asynchronous and trust-based working and and you can't do it well if you don't have the right culture to support it one of the things that came out of the pandemic that i found really difficult to handle was i'd hear people saying yeah remote working has been all right but i spend all day on zoom calls and it's basically this is the point you're making around, you know, we, we find it hard to get out of a meeting culture and a belief that we have to sit down together and talk about everything. And that is just the behavior, the principal behavior that we have to come out of in order to start working asynchronously. Forget having calls and meetings. Don't fill your diary with that. Fill it with doing stuff and communicate asynchronously. Final question. Tell us more about the book. You've sort of spoken about a few things that are in there, but you know what what what's in there? Who's it aimed at? How can people find it? Tell us all about it. I mean, the book is aimed at anyone who is interested in having a conversation about a different, more inclusive future of work. Not everyone will love it. It's there as a conversation starter and a thought-provoking book. And what we have done is we've brought unashamedly our own personalities to the book. Um, anyone who works at Hoxby or follows our Workstyle Freestyle vlog will know that Alex and I don't take ourselves too seriously, though we are passionate believers in change and a a fairer future of work. So the book encompasses um, work style stories. So 
people from those excluded groups for whom this has been a life-changing way to work. It also includes Geek Boxes, um, which is um, a myriad of contributors who have given small extracts of insight into um, essentially the case for change. And that's what the book lays out. The book lays out the importance of moving to this way of working and why it's better for our well-being, our productivity and our society. And, and it also includes our original research because we've been um, running our own longitudinal study um, for the last few years, looking at the relationship between autonomy well-being and productivity and we believe for the first time we have found that well-being is a moderating factor for that relationship so it lays out a bit of that as well it's timed to come out now specifically uh, post pandemic that was kind of the catalyst for writing the book but it's also a catalyst for us now as humans and um, particularly humans who have the power to influence the way we work to take advantage of this catalytic moment, this moment in history where people's minds are open in a way that they haven't been before to working differently. And we cannot afford to get into 50 years down the line and for people to be looking back at this moment and thinking, well, they really missed that opportunity that was in front of them to reset behaviours and reset the way we work to be fit for the digital age. It's on us, like whether we like it or not, we are the people who will influence the future of work from this moment forward. This is our opportunity to do it. And so the book is designed to stimulate thinking towards the future of work that we all want, rather than us kind of probably feeling the comfort of moving back to what we know. Alex and Lizzie, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. My thanks to Lizzie and Alex. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future and TikTok, where you can find us by searching for Recruiting Future Pod. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. <laughs>